Hello and assalamu alaikum, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Batcheet. My name is Mikhail, and I'm joined today by Professor Saheb Riaz. He is an Associate Professor of Management at the University of Ottawa and was previously an Associate Professor at the University of Massachusetts in Boston. He is a Section Editor for the Journal of Business Ethics since 2017. He did his PhD at the Ivy Business School at Western University. His research focuses on grand challenges of current and future global significance, and he teaches at the undergrad, graduate, and postgraduate levels. He enjoys reading and translating poetry, as well as playing racket sports and browsing old bookstores. Thank you so much for joining us today, Professor. Thank you so much, uh, Mikhail. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. Great to have just, you. I just want to say I'm really so glad that you guys are doing this, this initiative, particularly you know, keeping the needs of South Asian students in mind and, and concerns they may have. So great initiative. Very happy to be here. Oh, thank you. We're really glad to hear that. Yeah, it's just beginning out. You're one of our first uh, guests, really, in our first season here. So we're excited to see where it goes. Um, so I'm particularly excited to uh, to talk to you. Maybe we can just get into some background information about you. So uh, what was your upbringing like? Maybe a little bit about your schooling and your journey to Canada. How did you end up here? So, so I'm glad we're starting there. I'm mm -hmm. from India. I was born in Aligarh. Aligarh, you know, historically is a place in in North India which has been known for its education. It was very big in education in undivided India or British India, and um, also a place of a certain type of contribution to art and literature and poetry and and so on. And so yeah, I think you know I was very lucky to have uh, an upbringing in that sort of environment. Very privileged to be born in a family where you know. There were several academics, professors, mm -hmm. um, and um, there is a bit of a connection with the other side of what is today the border. So my great-granddad actually studied in Lahore. Uh, right. He was a medical professor, and then he moved to Aligarh. Uh, these are things that I discovered later. So so yeah, so that's what my bringing was like. Then I also studied in Delhi, and uh, yeah, and then, you know, just just worked and over time uh, moved to the U.S. Uh, for work and then to Canada to Western Ontario. Right. I don't know if uh, your viewers can see. I still have the mug. Uh, so they give you this when you graduate yeah. with a at Western. That's been that's been the journey. That's great. Yeah, you kept a piece of it. That's very cool that you brought that up. Uh, I feel like my upbringing has been very similar, uh, also academic and uh, kind of closely tied to you know art, literature, um, those kinds of things. So you're bringing in Aligarh, uh, a place known for its art, its poetry, its incumbents on education. Did that directly inspire you uh, to go into what you what you ended up doing? So this, this is an interesting question. So actually, it was quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. you know, when, you, when you're young, uh, you want to do something different. Mm -hmm. And um, my first instinct was that I will never do academia. I'm never going to be a professor because I've seen enough of that around me. Right? And um, that's actually why I got into an MBA after my engineering, my undergrad was in engineering. So it's it's a reaction uh, to what you see all around and you feel you have to do something new. Over time, you discover things about yourself and uh, then you gradually start seeing, okay, you know, here are something that I cannot avoid. You know, this is 
You know, I, I got to test out academia. You start reading about it. You start interacting with people who are in that area. And yep, now I'm loving it. Now I'm really loving it. That's so interesting uh, because it's so relatable to me. I, I'm going through pretty much the same thing right now is I'm avoiding, it's a family of academics that I'm from and I am avoiding academia because it's like, I, you know, I don't want to do the same thing. Uh, but you're saying that that's something that, you can in fact overcome it's something that happens with age and uh it's related to kind of adolescent almost rebellion yeah i think there's there's some you know if i can share you know a few thoughts here that may be interesting mm -hmm. for your listeners um most of us from the south asian background you know if you look at how career is looked at right careers are seen in very bounded ways you know, we have certain terminology because when people talk about it they say Ki career path choose karlo right and and, you know, basically saying that right. choose a career path, right? Yeah. And and what they don't say is that we've already chosen it for you, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> right? And so so that's kind of what happened to me. I was pushed into engineering because you know South Asian backgrounds, like, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Right? But the reality of careers, and especially now, I think in the new generation, is that you have to look at it a little bit differently. And this is something that I learned uh, with my experience, and particularly in this part of the world, right? Career paths are not chosen, they are constructed. So, you know, if I can say in Urdu, career path choose nahi ke jata, career path banaya jata. You have right. to construct Bilkul. it, you have to work mm -hmm. on it. And there is a very significant difference between these two perspectives. And unfortunately, the reality is that a lot of people from South Asia, if you talk to people of the previous generation, you know, they don't really recognize this, that the world has changed and, you know, you've got to try out a few things and see what works for you, right? And you have to sometimes yeah. construct things that don't exist. Mm -hmm. So, so right. that I think has been a bit of a learning for me. Right. And I, I would fully agree. And I'm learning that more and more now. Uh, and I feel like a lot of immigrants, but also just generally undergrad students are starting to come to grips with this. It's not exactly something their parents tell them because that's not how they were raised, but it's things are changing so much. And so it, would you say it's almost disorienting for, for kids to do this? It's such a big, yeah, I love, I love the term that you used, Mikhail. It is disorienting and uh, you know, I'm sort of from an intermediate or a previous generation. And so it was disorienting for me as well. Uh, one of the things that I told myself and I share, I can share with you guys is that we talk about learning things, but it's also very important to unlearn, right? Mm -hmm. and, and this is particularly important when you're in a different economy, in a different society, in a different culture. You have to observe and unlearn certain things. So these notions of very straightforward career paths, you know, the mm -hmm. kind of introduction that you gave to me, and I'm very grateful for that. You made me look good uh, with all those lines. But, but the reality behind that is not so clean and structured and strategic, right? Right. It had to be constructed step by step, trying out different things. And for, you know, for new people, uh, you know, new uh, students, particularly, you know, if you're just starting out at university, you want to start this early. You want to start dabbling in volunteer activities. You want to start dabbling in a little bit of an internship here, you know, go to some talks, do some stuff that you would not normally do right. to see if something there sparks your interest. And based on that, little by little, you start constructing uh, a new right. path for yourself, right? Right. So you're you're voluntarily bringing uncertainty almost into your into your life and yeah. kind of straying deliberately straying away from something you 
thought, yeah, this is what I'm going to go into. This is what I'm going to do with my life. Yeah, I like the way you put it, because if you don't do it that way, it will happen to you in an unexpected way. Right. So so you're going to yeah. expect that, you know, the old things work and, you know, I've, my path has been chosen for me or, mm-hmm. you know, I've chosen mm-hmm. it and everything's going to be OK, but it's not going to be okay. OK. You have to make it OK. You have to start mm-hmm. spending time developing things. Yeah. And and there's there's a lot of sort of, you know, humorous angles to this learning and learning. There's, there's many examples of this, uh, particularly as South Asians, uh, you know, when you come here, um, I can give you some basic examples. You know, there's so many interesting stories. So when you arrive mm-hmm. here, uh, I can tell you my first few days. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to eat. I didn't know like, what am I going to do here, right? I mean, there is there is a certain learning over the years in parts of South Asia, you know, in India where I was, that food would magically appear in front of you, right? You never give a thought yeah, to yeah. who is actually doing all the hard work behind that at your home, right? Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. same thing when you're outside of that. So I, you know, I was in what are called hostels there or residence mm-hmm. there. Let's say when I was in Delhi, you know, there's all of these options available to students to just go out. And, you know, it's sort of reasonable because the economy is structured that way. These are South Asian contexts are contexts of very high inequality yeah. that I actually research now, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of low-wage workers available. So you have cheap stuff available. Mm-hmm. as a student right but when you arrive here you look at a restaurant bill and you very quickly you realize i cannot do this more than once a week so so what are you going to do what are you going to do is what i did which was crazy i actually I, I remember just going down uh the building looking around i saw a gas station um i went there i i bought bread and, and chips and i think there was mm-hmm. some ketchup or something i already had at home that's and i think eggs I don't know how I got eggs. Mm. I didn't know how to cook at all. Right? Right. And so my first few meals, literally every day, were basically bread, fried egg on top of it, chips for flavor, some mm. ketchup, and a sandwich made out of that. Now, this is the kind of like, this is funny, right? But but I use yeah. it to illustrate a point of unlearning. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And and not taking for granted that things you have known before are going to apply. And then you, little by little, you construct a new self. So at some point I said, damn, this is not going to work out. So, you know, I tried cans and that was terrible for health, right? And then gradually I accepted the reality that mm-hmm. I need to learn how to cook. It is a basic human skill of survival in this part of the world, right? So anyway, you know, these this is, this is just a personal anecdote. Mm-hmm. But if you extend this to bigger things, you take it to careers it's the same thing we may have certain notions that we developed in that part of the world or even if you're born brought up here you may have that from the previous generation because those you know people are working with very good intentions but they're working with notions ideas that don't really uh, work anymore they're not effective anymore yeah so so you have to as you said sort of reorient right right yeah and uh I love that. Uh, that's such a relatable point to a lot of South Asian uh, immigrants from Pakistan, for sure, and uh, India as well, I'm sure, because of that. You're so removed from all these day-to-day, daily life routines that you're almost, it's like, you don't think that that will make you out of touch with reality or with how life really is, but it, it does do that. It does end up making you just completely lost when the time comes to do something important. Not even, you know, not just cooking, which is a great example, but that can extend beyond just just that. It can extend to, to important life decisions and things yeah. that 
it may not you may not necessarily be prepared to tackle because of those little things that you were so far removed from yeah, and yeah. and so so it sounds like yeah a great learning process which i think a lot of people a lot of students are going through and yeah, you would yeah. say embrace uh, think about things that you did not did not know how to do and yeah. fully embrace them and start I, doing. you know there's another thought coming to my mind and i'm, mm-hmm. I'm just sharing these in a sort of free flow uh, format um Trends. Okay, so there are there are certain approaches we have in life that uh, are a little bit different when you look at you know how life is structured here, right? When I was living in that part of the world, friends just appeared around me. I, I never had any strategy about it. I never thought who's going to be my friend. You know, this was just a normal part of life, right? But when mm-hmm. you're here, and and the reality is that you you know you're a, you're a minority, and many of us are visible minorities, right? So this makes you think a little bit and, you know, you have to be a little bit, uh, you have to make some efforts to make sure you have friends, mm-hmm. uh, make sure you have friends you can relate to, uh, who can be, you know, a point of support over time. Uh, one of the most common experiences, and I talk to other students as well, uh, you know, as a professor at times, one of the most common experiences of people from other parts of the world who come here, and even if they're brought up here, is one of loneliness, yeah. right? One of emotional yeah. uh, health issues, right? Yeah. Now, again, if you look at it from the perspective of the older generations uh, in South Asia, these things were never part of a discussion, emotional health, mental health. Nobody mm-hmm. ever talked about this, right? The mindset yeah. is, right? exactly. sit down, start studying, don't waste Beautiful. your time, right? But life is not structured that way here. Mm-hmm. Here, you have to find a support group. You have to make sure you are emotionally and mentally in good health because that is what will then allow you to actually sit down and work, right? and do yeah. other things, right? You, you can't have one without the other. You can't actually just continue building your career if you don't have all of that support as well. Okay. Those things are taken for granted in, 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 in the context that we are coming from. But here you have to spend some, some attention, uh, some time. Another interesting angle in this is that, um, you know, and so because I'm a professor of management and social sciences, I'm gonna share this. There is a concept called the strength of weak ties. Right. Uh, sorry, I'm a professor, so I can't stop teaching. Right. So this is mm-hmm. a fun con. This is a very, very heavily cited work by a, a sociologist who actually said that make friends who are outside your regular network as well. Mm-hmm. So the strength of weak ties. So what are weak ties? Weak ties are people with whom you don't share a lot. Right. So I'll give you an example, right? So let's let's say you know my own student life here. So I went to class. I immediately connected with you know, people from South Asia. I went shopping with them because, you know, we're buying the same groceries. I played sports with them because most likely you're watching or playing the same sports. So a lot of those contact points are happening with the same people, right? Right. But the learning that you may have once you step outside of that is totally different. So there's the strength of those weak ties, right? So that's something also that I think we have to cultivate. Okay. Appreciate the diversity in people around, spend yeah. some time with other people, mm-hmm. learn about them, their cultures, their perspectives. Uh, it can be a lot of fun and it can actually be pretty, uh, pretty helpful for your own learning. I think that's so important. Uh, and I'm grateful that I was able to do that, maybe by accident, because I was where I moved from Pakistan was probably the most polar opposite place to Pakistan you could think of. It was to uh, Finland, North, North European country. 
No, no Desis, um, very few immigrants in general, very white, uh, different religion, different everything, right? And so that kind of taught me uh, that, yeah, you need to, you don't have to be friends with just people that share the same interests. In fact, you can have so much more conversation, so much more depth with someone who is different in a very positive way. And they can teach you so much and you can teach them, uh, hopefully. And uh, I ended up and I'm still friends with people who I don't consider to have the same interests as me uh, or or they don't look the same as me, that's for sure. Um, so that's really great to, to hear because I think in the South Asian community in Canada, I should say, uh, we tend to form these these silos and these localized groups. Do you think, so how would you encourage, I, I would say, young South Asians, immigrants in general, to break away from that? What kind of changes in mindset or perspective yeah. would you encourage them to take to do that? Yeah, yeah it's, it's a great question. I think one other thing that I learned here, you know, when I was a student, is that life is structured a lot around activity, right? structured activities, planned activities, much more so than it was for me when I was in India. Okay. In India, my social life, personal life was sort of just happening by itself, right? Let's go there. Let's go there, right? I mean, this is, or let's just sit around and talk, right? Whereas that, that's the shift in mindset. So you, I have to unlearn some of that and learn that yep. you've got to actually join things and, mm -hmm. and there's a structure and a place for things, right? These are highly structured societies. Yeah. Uh, and again, this is, I'm talking as a management scholar, um, there's there's a rationality and order to almost everything that's happening here. Now, you may agree with it or not, mm -hmm. right? but it has been thought about. These societies has, have sent a lot of people in the social sciences and respected that to mm -hmm. build you know, groups, communities, neighborhoods, activities, parts of the game. Even if you are looking at you're looking, let's say, for for some sort of sports activity. You know there are there is there are certain sports. There's some activity there. Yeah. You've got to go there, and they will walk you through a system. You know everything is structured that way. Right? Yeah. If you're looking for, let's say, a place of worship, you're not going to find it in every neighborhood at walking distance. Right. There is a structure to it. Right. There will be a designated place for that, potentially a street. And I've seen this. And on, on that street, you're going to find places of worship of many different religions. Like Just laid out. Side. Yes. Like, you want to do this? Go here. Right. You're interested in music and concerts and clubs. There's a different spot for that. Mm -hmm. Go there. Right. Mm -hmm. So this was, you know, there's unlearning and then learning that work with this new system, join activities, right? So if you're into sports, find out what's happening. Is there a league? Is there a beginner's league, an intermediate uh, group league? Right. Join that. And you'll make new friends. Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, don't, so, I mean, the shift in mindset that I would say, and I say this to other students uh, that I have, don't expect things to happen to you. Right. right? Yeah. What's the opposite? Make things happen for yourself. Don't react, interact with the systems mm -hmm. around. Right? Reaction is when you're just being pushed around. My friend's going here, I'm going. Exactly. Like you have to be yeah. a little bit, uh, you have to have some agency or some initiative of your own. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in the structure of life here. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I wouldn't say exclusively do that. At times you have to go because, you know, mm -hmm. your, your regular friends are doing something and that's fun as well.
Mm-hmm. Right. So I may end up watching this movie because I know I there's people in my network who are going to watch it, right? And that's fine. But there should be some other activities which you join uh, and you have a little bit more structure around them. And you say, okay, you know, seven to eight, two days a week, I'm going to play squash, right? And so that's, you know, you're talking of my interest in racket sports. And that, mm-hmm. that's kind of how I've tried to cultivate those things. Yeah. No, that's that's such a nice way to put it, interactive versus reactive. Uh, and thinking back on my time in Pakistan, uh, so much was reactive. Maybe because I was younger, of course, things, life is reactive, but definitely I saw that with others as well, is uh, very few options to be interactive um, or maybe the opportunities just were ignored um so so i'm seeing here the way you think of it is that this kind of <clears throat> the structure of the society is reflective of this western maybe tendency to bring structure into everything and to to think of things in very rigid rationalized ways and in in my experience talking to even people from even from certain african countries as well but definitely in pakistan very fluid and kind of let it go and kind of you know yeah. go along with it as you were saying yeah chalte hain ye ho gaya jo bhi you know um if if you know because the way you're talking i actually remembered you know you, you mentioned my interest in urdu poetry and i remember you know this couplet and uh, i'll try to translate it as well mm-hmm. for the other audience um, please do aap kya ke ek shayar hai aap kya ke keh raha hu lekin hai amroha ke india ke original john india sahab jo bahut famous hai aajkal popular ho rahe hain to unka ek sher hai he says tera har kaam ab hisab se hai behisabi ki zindagi kya ki so i've had this discussion with people in that part of the world and some people pointed out that you know my life today everything is with a hisab it's measured you know in english you would say it's measured it's with, it's strategic right? right and and then what happens so the, the poet is saying you know what happens to that unstructured free flow life so i mean i do want to say that you want to preserve some of that and my answer to people who raised this question with me was that even that unstructured life for me is structured mai be hisabi bahut hisab se karta hu if i am going on a walk mm-hmm. that's when i would be listening to poetry if i'm thinking of translating poetry i'm going mm-hmm. on the walk i have my phone i get some insights on how i may translate that this is fun for me i'll pick out my phone i'll start noting down some of that stuff you know okay. and and this is kind of like doing be hisabi with a hisab you know right. doing doing the free flow things in a very measured way so this is just you know uh, an interesting anecdote once again of how life here changes you Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe yeah. exactly as you said you know when i was in delhi or when i was in abiga probably i would not have thought about these issues that way but yeah over time i've sort of evolved uh, this approach and did it help you so did you have that interest in poetry i mean you mentioned that you were in such a rich poetic place but did you have that interest and weren't able to work with it or deal with it the same way as you were here with the new structured environment around you yeah so this is this is again a very interesting question so similar to my rebellion against being a professor mm-hmm. uh in my early years i completely avoided anything that i saw as traditional right so i i really avoided urdu poetry ghazals and all this stuff i was See. only interested in western music so you know through the 90s late 80s 90s you know as a kid i was i was basically listening to western music. Mm-hmm. Right. but right. there was urdu poetry around me uh, my dad uh, understood this stuff really well mm-hmm. uh, 
uh, and both my parents actually. So they they were you know they were playing these videos and you know we were watching this stuff. Uh, so no matter how much you avoided it, uh, it was in the environment. And at some point of time, I started appreciating the depth in that. And so I I mostly then started engaging with it on my own. And let me actually relate this, the, the translating poetry part. So when did that happen? So as I said, I was at, you know, Western. Mm-hmm. At that time, it was called University of Western Ontario. Right. Now it's just Western. Right. London, Ontario at that time, and I'm talking around 20 years ago, London, Ontario at that time was an extremely boring place. And it was also not a very diverse place, right? There wasn't a lot of diversity in people and all that. And the kind of work I was doing in management was also highly analytical in my PhD. And I started feeling that I'm losing some sides of myself. I'm losing a more creative side. I'm, I'm losing, you know, that cultural side. And so it was at that time that I cultivated this interest and started actually, I started a blog. I started actually translating this poetry, picking up things that I liked and, you know, got quite a few visitors. It's kind of, you know, I've kind of stopped doing it, but I'm still sort of learning stuff uh, on my own. Um, maybe an interesting thought here for the audience today and you know we have all been through this it really helped me have some balance in my life um there is a certain level of expectation in this part of the world uh you know being very professional and and as i said you know being very structured and so on and that's that's very important but then you've got to find a passion and keep that Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. when is it useful it's useful when everything else goes wrong Right. right. Back to emotional mental health, right? When everything else goes wrong, when you write something and you get terrible feedback from your professors, everything's going wrong. Your friends are not in town. Some, you know, something or the other is going wrong. At that time, you've got to have something to fall back on, right? So for me at Western, it was this, just sort of immersing into poetry. Mm-hmm. And it was also racket sports. So when everything was going wrong, I would just go pick up my kit, walk to the campus student center, just start playing squash by myself. Or then I would find people, you know, and then just spend an hour playing squash. So these sort of little things keep you sane. And right. and I would say cultivate right. them. Okay. okay. That, that really gets into the necessity of, of, well, poetry, but also you said sport and, and extracurriculars, which I feel like a lot of, at least in my experience, a lot of students are forgetting. I mean, my some of my friends uh, don't see the value in those or their parents don't encourage it. And I really don't see the point in that. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot to get into there. Uh, and I feel like that would be a great place for part two to kick off. I think this was a really good discussion for our the first part of our episode. Thank you so much, Professor, for, for your amazing insights. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who listened to the episode this week. Stay tuned for next Friday, where we'll be continuing our discussion with Professor Soheb Riaz. Take care and khudafis until then. Thank you, Mikhail. This was a very really interesting. What a great set of questions and issues you brought up.